Welcome back for another episode of the It's Murder Y'all podcast. I'm your host, Amber, and with me today is a man who's hotter than a $2 pistol, my husband, Rob. Say hey, Rob. Howdy, howdy. So if you're listening to this episode when it comes out, we are just a few days away from Valentine's Day. So in honor of the holiday of love, we will be discussing a case that took place on Valentine's Day 2016. And I feel like I've jinxed myself every time I've said this. But this episode will probably be shorter than previous ones, just because there's not much information about the backgrounds of the people involved. But with that being said, let's go ahead and dive in to this case of a Valentine's Day gone very wrong. So, it's Valentine's Day 2016 in Columbia, South Carolina. And Gregorio Leon, better known as Greg, and his wife Rachel Leon, whose actual name is Maria Raquel Leon, are enjoying an early Valentine's dinner at Caraba's Italian Grill. The couple parts ways at around 7 p.m., and at about 7.15, Greg's Range Rover pulls up at San Jose, which was one of eight or nine Mexican restaurants that Greg owned in the Midlands area of South Carolina. This particular San Jose restaurant was the one that he personally managed, and that's where his office was. So Greg's in the restaurant, and he seems unsettled. He keeps staring at his phone and pacing back and forth between the host stand and a nearby bench. At 8.08 p.m., Greg calls Rachel's phone. She doesn't answer. Five minutes later, he tries again, this time from the restaurant's phone. She doesn't answer. So Greg hauls ass out the door. Some would say he was doing a fast walk or a slow run. He heads over to his Range Rover, guns it out of the parking lot, still looking intently at his phone, which is not safe, and he quickly reverses down an alley back behind the restaurant. About 10 minutes later, Greg pulls up to a park-and-ride commuter lot at 110 River Chaseway. There's a white Mercedes SUV and a silver Toyota Tundra truck parked next to each other. Greg jumps out of his car. The Toyota Tundra's back passenger door flies open, and within seconds, shots are fired. 11 minutes later, a call comes in to 911. A man tells a dispatcher, I shot my wife and her lover, dude. First responders arrive a short while later and find a man laying face down on the pavement wearing nothing but his socks. Inside the nearby Toyota Tundra, police find what looked to be a menagerie of Valentine's gifts. A teddy bear in a red basket, a bouquet of flowers, a box of chocolates, and a bottle of champagne. Very fancy. While investigators are examining the parking lot murder scene, Greg is meeting with his friend and personal attorney, Eric Bland, at a gas station about an hour away in Orangeburg. Now, if you're familiar with the Murdoch saga in South Carolina, the name Eric Bland might sound familiar. It does not sound familiar to Rob because he don't know shit about the Murdoch murders, except for what he's heard me talk about. But Eric Bland is the attorney that represented housekeeper Gloria Satterfield's family, and he's the one that kind of lit the spark that ignited the downfall of Alec Murdoch. And I'm not going to go into details on the Murdoch stuff, but it will come back up later. Anyway, Eric meets with Greg and convinces him to, to turn himself in, which he does. So two days later, Greg Leone was charged with the murder of a man who had yet to be identified, the attempted murder of his wife, discharging a firearm into an occupied vehicle, and possession of a weapon during a violent crime. At his bond hearing on February 20th, 2016, Greg's wife, Rachel, told the judge through the use of a translator that she was not afraid of her husband and that she didn't think he would hurt her or anyone in the family. Both she and Greg's attorneys argued that his family and as many as 130 employees depended on him. The judge ultimately granted Greg a $500,000 bond, but it came with some conditions. He couldn't talk to his wife. He had to live at his parents' house. He had to hand over his passport. He had to wear an ankle monitor. He had to provide his weekly schedule to the Lexington County Solicitor's Office. Solicitor's office. He had a 10 p.m. to 9 a.m. curfew, and he was not allowed to possess a deadly weapon. The judge did clarify that he could use a knife in his restaurants, though, if he needed to. So Greg has granted this bond, but unfortunately, it didn't do no good because it was at the state level. And old Greg had been on federal probation at the time of the murder. And what is one thing that you can't do when you're on probation? That's possess firearms. So he had violated his probation and would need to chill in jail for a bit. Now, I've just thrown a lot of information at y'all without much context. So let's go back a little bit and see if we can start connecting some dots. So 
Gregorio Macias Leon was born on January 29th, 1967, making him an Aquarius. And I'm going to butcher this. Uh, San Jose de la Paz, Jalisco, Mexico. According to the LA Times, quote, Gregorio was almost royalty in the dynasty of transplants from San Jose de la Paz, Jalisco, a village of about 1,000 in the Mexican tequila-growing region that dominates the South's Mexican restaurant scene. In the last 45 years, its residents have established a network of restaurants across the region that now number more than 700. Families lord over fiefdoms that span big cities and small towns. With gentlemen's agreements keeping competitors away and marriages entered into as much to solidify and expand holdings as for love. It's like Game of Thrones, except with more cheese sauce, end quote. The Game of Thrones with cheese sauce got me, but. Who said that? Uh, and a writer for the LA Times. So basically, aside from the Game of Thrones with cheese, the whole point of that you is. You said queso. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Um, so basically, the whole point of that is. And I was actually telling our kid this while we were at the Mexican restaurant tonight, that people from this village in Mexico, they they basically brought Mexican food to the south. Like people from that town, which only has like a thousand residents, they have resulted in like 700 different Mexican restaurants all across the south, which is pretty cool. I We love Mexican food. We literally just yeah. ate it. So good on them. So. Greg and his family immigrated to Atlanta, Georgia in the 1970s, and his father opened the first San Jose Mexican restaurant in 1981. Eight years later, the Leon family moved to Columbia, South Carolina, and permanently set up shop there. So if you ever ate, you may have eaten at one of his restaurants when you lived in Columbia, if you ever ate at a Mexican place. I ate at a couple. Because he had, he owned like eight or nine of them. Um, He also owned two bars. I think they're called Poncho. I think. Anyways, over the years, the San Jose restaurants became wildly popular, and Greg soon became a multimillionaire. He lived on a 30-acre farm where he raised Andalusian and Frisian horses. He was a huge University of South Carolina football fan and threw infamous tailgates. One article called him a booster, but I couldn't find anything to corroborate. That. Corroborate? That's a weird word. Corroborate that. He was also known to bring one of his roosters named Cocky after the South Carolina mascot and prop him up on a railing in the end zone. And speaking of roosters, in 2002, Greg caught up, got caught up in a little cockfighting brouhaha, which led to the South Carolina Agriculture Commissioner being charged with extortion, money laundering, and lying to law enforcement. Greg ended up having to pay a $257 fine the ag commissioner got removed from his office and he was sentenced to two years in prison. So a little over a decade later, Greg was involved in a different case that brought down another powerful man. This time, it was South Carolina's longest serving sheriff. On June 17, 2014, James Metz, who'd served as Lexington County Sheriff for more than 40 years, was indicted on 10 counts, including conspiracy to violate federal law and interfere with government function, use of interstate facility to facilitate bribery, use of interstate wire to defraud the citizens of Lexington County of their right to honest services, and conspiracy to harbor illegal aliens. What had happened was, Greg was hiring undocumented workers in his restaurants, and he had worked out a deal with Sheriff Metz, where if one of the undocumented workers got arrested, the sheriff would immediately release them so that they wouldn't get deported. According to the Island, the Island Packet newspaper, which is a funny name for a newspaper, at the time, the Lexington County Jail was authorized to accept and process undocumented immigrants. Because of his position as sheriff, Metz had the power to intervene in the booking process and release someone. And for a fee, he was happy to do that for Greg. Greg once left $2,000 in an envelope on the sheriff's desk. And another time, Greg paid a Lexington County, nope, a Lexington Town Council member to slide the sheriff some cash for him. So in April 2015, the disgraced sheriff ended up being sentenced to one year and one day in prison, two years of supervised release, and had to pay a $10,000 fine. A little over six months later, it was Greg's turn, and he pled guilty to hiring illegal aliens. According to a release by the FBI, quote, Over the last two years, Leon has cooperated extensively and provided substantial assistance in the investigation and prosecution of Mets. Based on that cooperation, 
the government agreed that a sentence of one year probation and a fine of $180,000, in addition to the five years of probation and 200 hours of community service imposed by the state court, was an appropriate resolution for Leon's criminal charges, end quote. So he snitched. He snitched, and because he snitched, he got much less time. So, well, I mean, he actually didn't serve any time. He just got probation. Yeah. He made fast, it like a bandit. He did. So fast forward three months later. So he's done his bribery trial. Uh, he, pled, he pled guilty. He got his stuff. He's on probation. Three months later, we're now in February of 2016. Greg has snitched his way out of trouble twice now with like big people. But he's now murdered somebody and he can't snitch his way out of this pickle. Lucky for him, though. He's a multimillionaire, which means that the rules are a little bit different for him. His attorney, Dick Harputlian, yes, the same Dick Harputlian that was Alec Murdoch's defense attorney. Also, he has Poot in the middle of his name, which is endlessly funny to the 12-year-old boy inside of me. So Dick, and his name's Dick. So Dick Harputlian argued that Greg wouldn't be safe in jail because the Mexican cartel was out to get him. At this point, Investigators have identified Greg's victim as Arturo Bravo Santos. And Harputlian claimed that Arturo was a member of the Los Zetas Mexican drug cartel gang. The judge was basically like, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, Mr. Millionaire, I know you committed murder, but here's a $100,000 bond. So pay your little $10,000 and go on your way. And that's exactly what Greg did. He paid $10,000, which is pocket change to a multimillionaire, and he lived life for the next seven years, literally. Like, Arturo was murdered in February of 2016, and Greg did not go on trial till this past summer, June 2023. And during that time, he Why? was like, uh, so there was this guy that killed all five of his children. And so that trial took precedence, and then COVID happened. And there was like a lot seven of- Seven years? Yeah. Seven whole ass years. Seven whole and ass years. And to sort out one case and deal with COVID. Yes. A lot of trials got pushed back. And like this one, I mean, a child killer is going to take precedence over a love triangle, you know, crime of passion kind of thing. Yeah. So, but he, all he had was he, he couldn't, like, he couldn't travel and he had a curfew and he had to wear an ankle monitor, but like he was able to go to work and make money. And he went to his kids' graduations and he, he was just vibing because um, he was a multimillionaire and the rules are different for them. So the trial finally starts on June 20th of this past year. And everyone's in agreement from the start. Greg definitely killed Arturo. Like we know that. Question though is was it cold blooded murder or was it self defense? So unsurprisingly, the defense's strategy was to claim self-defense by painting the victim out to be a scary cartel gang leader who is forcing Rachel to be in a relationship against her will. The first step in their plan was to focus on the fact that the victim, who again they now know is Arturo Bravo Santos, had a false ID or a false identity. When police searched his truck after the murder, they found a Mexican ID and a Wells Fargo debit card with the name Arnulfo, I probably butchered that, Arnulfo. Arnolfo Gill Lyles on it. And in fact, that was the name that police went with until family members brought paperwork proving that he was actually Arturo. At the end of the day, Arturo was a 28-year-old undocumented drywall installer. And it's not uncommon for undocumented workers to have fake names and fake IDs. So that wasn't really the gotcha that the defense thought it was. Next, the defense tried to claim that Arturo was an evil leader of the El Tigre's gang or a member of the drug cartel that I mentioned earlier, Losatus. During trial, though, Sergeant Brian Zwolak from the Lexington, Lexington County Sheriff's Department testified that there was no record of Arturo or any of his aliases in any gang databases. And I was today years old when I realized there were gang databases. Did you know there are gang databases? I mean, kind of, yeah. It, yeah. I mean, I feel like, yeah. I like the fact that he could, like, okay, I'm going to type in this person's name and see if they're in a gang. I never would have. Well, I that's like one of the only cool things cops do. Like, like cops are information gatherers more than they are ticket writers. Like, that's why they like want everybody's ID when they stop them for anything. And it's like it's a to make sure there's no warrants, but like 
they document the shit out of everything and who's connected. Cause so it makes it easier for them to link people to other people. So it, that's how they be solving murder so fast. Sometimes I guarantee you that's a large region region reason why old, old Joe Candace saw the shitload of murders, all that, that police. That's the one cool thing about police work is they just, they collect all of that kind of data and you know, that's, that's what they do. They just store all that data. They all have to do police reports at the end of the day and literally write out every time something happened, like in word form. Right. I would be like, that's literally my job now, except not with criminals. I would be that's, so good at that. I mean, literally, you know, my, the, I, I used to have a cop buddy. Like he told me he he hated that was he hated having to sit down and type out all those reports because he sucked at typing. No, I would be so good at that. And you know, I've got like FBI level googling skills. Yeah, they put all that shit down in a database, but yeah, but I didn't think about like in my I think very literally. So in my head, I thought there was like a specific like this is our database of gang members let me look and see if you're there, i'm sure there is i'm sure there is that's just it's very funny to me so arturo's roommate slash former lover a trans woman named ruby they got a that, fingerprint database well that makes sense like they got codis they got like all that that makes sense but to me just i never thought of the fact that there would because I mean, I'm clearly very up to date on gang activity. I guess you're you can not tell as from... much of a true crime baddie as you thought. Maybe not. Get your shit right. I do. I need to get it together. I'm gonna have to go look specifically more about gangs because that is my area of weakness. It's gangs be murdering. You know what I know a lot about though? Trilobal fibers. Women that murder their husbands. Yeah. Just put that in your back pocket. Anyways. Uh -huh. Arturo's roommate slash former lover, a trans woman named Ruby, testified that not only was Arturo not in a gang, he had never, in the four years that they lived together, known him to even own a gun. I want to give props to the journalists that were reporting Ruby's testimony because they acknowledge that she was a trans woman and they consistently use she, her pronouns. I feel like that should, you know, just be a common decency, but we are in the South. Wait, I wait, wait. Oh, dude, buddy's wife was transgender? No, bud. What? The, I, I know the victim's roommate slash former lover. Oh, okay. Yes. Roommate. Roommate, sla roommate slash lover. Because they were also kind of together. But which leads into my next point of like every article referred to her as his roommate slash lover. But like according to Ruby. Why, why do they got to put that kind of business out there? Right. But according to Ruby. Like they lived together and they were, they were in a relationship. So I feel like calling her a roommate slash lover is weird by like, by that logic, like I could call you. Yeah. This is my roommate slash lover, Rob. Cause we live together and we're in a relationship. That's just, it's weird. But that literally every article that talked about her, it was roommate slash lover. So it'd be like if I walked around and called you my ex fiance all the time. <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> I don't know if that's the same thing. I feel like that's just being silly, but yeah, it. I don't know. Yeah, it's still. Funny. It's just funny. Yeah, like it's just it's a weird lover. I like ain't just, nobody's damn business. Or just be like his. I mean, I I don't know. Uh, it uh, it it stood out to me, and like, and that was yeah. Anyways, it was weird. Lover, you remember that? Lover, <laughs> lover. No, um, it's um, uh, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. they're in the hot tub and they're Will Ferrell and what's her name? I forget. There's that, but the lover that I know, which Christine oh, Taylor Swift. Nope, Christine. No. If you're listening, you will remember this from college. It was from Sex in the City. It was Lover. So me and Christine used to call each other Lover a lot. Oh. Um. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know about that. No, that was a good show. Anyways, uh, sadly, none of Arturo's family came to the trial, so Ruby was the only person who could talk about who Arturo was as a person, and not the gangbanger or gigolo that the defense painted him out to be. The defense threw on the word gigolo multiple times. That is like, a very. How do you go from a kind of 
eloquent word, prostitute, to gigolo. gigolo. Why dudes got to be gigolos? I mean... It's just funny that that's the word. Guys like, get gigolo. Prostitute is classier sounding than gigolo. Yeah, gigolo girls- sounds like a dirty man prostitute. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I feel I like don't know. it's just it's funny to me. I always felt that word was very funny. Apparently, I mean, we got hooker. There's a song of- I like called "Redneck Gigolo." It's really good. So I just googled this. A gigolo is not necessarily a male prostitute. A gigolo is a male escort or social companion who is supported by a person in a continuing relationship. So basically, okay. So, so I, not I only men can be gigolos? No, it's a man, but oh, it's okay. it's not like basically, and I do not want to disparage the dead, but now that I know what the definition of a gigolo is, I kind of think that Arturo was a gigolo because what they do is they, they date lots of women and typically women with money and they like get gifts. So it's not necessarily like, Hey, we're going to scrum and I'm going to pay you. It's like, Hey, I'm going to be in a relationship with you and you're going to be my sugar mama and you're going to give me presents. That's what a gigolo is. That's, that's very beta male behavior in my opinion. If I could just say that. I mean, you wouldn't. Absolutely not. If I want it or need it, I'm going to go do what I got to do to figure it out. I will not. I can't. I have had to rely on people in my life and it, it, I don't know, like for shit like that monetarily or whatever. And I, it always, I I despise, I despise, you know, I don't ask people for help. So like, I don't, you know what I I mean? That ain't, I can do it on my own. I don't want your, I don't need you to, I, I don't know, man. But you're almost 40. Think about like, this is a young dude thing. Like, I wouldn't have in my 20s been a gigolo or let some lady be my sugar mama. Absolutely not. No, no, no. I mean, but, but it can be situations that you don't think of. Like, think of the roommate that we lived with, that you live with, that we loved, like, and all those much younger dudes she dated. That was a little bit of that situation. You feel me? I so, mean, like, I think she was just re-sowing some of her wild oats after a divorce. Right. And that's fine. But but that may have been what a lot of these women were also doing. Maybe so. I mean, so basically. She's such a sweetheart. I know. I loved her. Um, But so it's, you know, it's young guy. And in this case, Arturo, like he's undocumented. Like he, you know, he's getting attention from all these women and they're buying him a bunch of stuff. It. It makes sense. I mean, girls, their websites literally of old dudes looking for like younger girls to be their sugar babies. So it's kind of just the other way around. But now we know what a gigolo is. And now it's. Men are so damn weird sometimes about that shit, bro. Literally. I just, bruh, just chill. Just yeah. chill, dudes. Just a little bit. I mean, you bloodthirsty are... weirdos. <laughs> Dude, if you learn nothing else from this podcast, it's dudes Ugh. are weird. Dudes are weird. So, so Ruby is trying to show like, look, Arturo was a cool dude. She said he was a happy guy. He was always singing. His Facebook page reflected his interest in motorcycles and racehorses. And he had no criminal history besides a traffic violation and presenting false identification. While Ruby is adamant that Arturo wasn't a bad guy, she did admit he was a little bit of a player. And I wrote this before I knew what the word gigolo meant. So, uh, (laughs) According to her, he's he a bit had of a gigolo. Yeah, according to her, he had mul- <laughs> multiple girlfriends simultaneously who often lavished him with gifts. That is a gigolo. The defense they used of, that word properly as shit. They they did. <laughs> um, so side note, I didn't put this in here, but I'll say it. I have grown to really despise defense attorneys. This one is particularly bad because he was the defense attorney for Pee Wee Gaskins. Pee Gaskins is probably one of the worst serial killers of all time. Um, when I was pregnant with our daughter, this guy that that Rob worked with, his wife was into true crime books. Do you remember, like, she would send me books? I do. One of the books was Pee Gaskins' biography. It, some of, it was god-awful. Like, he was an evil, evil human being. I won't even, 
I would need so many trigger warnings if I told you all the things he did. So the fact that this offense attorney defended him, absolutely not. You are a trash human. So that's why I was like, why are you using gigolo? But it turns out, okay, even a blind squirrel catches a nut. He was right about the word gigolo. So um, the defense. So what is the, like, if that's the official term for a dude having a sugar mama, what is the official? So so sugar baby is the is that the official term uh, opposite of gigolo what is the other official term i mean yeah i guess it could be sugar baby or like i feel like there's a name they use for like for guys that go after cougars it's like a cub Coug- or something i don't know i can't remember but yeah there's probably names for it um so the defense of course i worked with a guy that was was a cougar hunter and i was like bro what's so he- what is up with that like he was, it was hardcore his thing. So like he had an, an a milf fetish? A big time, big time. Like he wanted to like be with him or like he wanted them to like take care of him? No, no, no. He was attracted to 20 and 30 year older women than him. Like I mean, he, he, he would even flirt with women in like their fifties. And then we were in our, like this dude was like 21, 22. When do, I I know, him. do I know this person? No, I worked with him uh, when I was working at that bus plant in Alabama. Oh. He was okay. a, uh, I think he was he a welder. I don't think he, I don't, I don't know. I think he just worked on the line, but he was just, he was just, he may have not have been 20. I think he was 21 at least. But yeah, he was super young. He was just, I, I think his name was Casey. He was this blonde. He looked like a California boy. He had long blonde hair and a little mustache was the little chin little chin hair chin pubes yeah he was real smiley and he he was a very 420 friendly you know what i mean so he had those vibes him and the guy that was our roommate and that i worked with for a long time mm-hmm. mike they were super buddy buddy at that point yeah i'm still mad at mike yeah be right. yep. whatever he, um but you know i'm i'm kind of here for the young guy going after the older women because you hear all the time of dudes in their fifties or sixties having a midlife crisis and leaving their wives for like a 22 year old girl. So I'm here for, yeah, woman. Like he turned down attractive girls, his age for that. I'm (laughs) I'm here. I'm here for it. If he is legitimately into it, I vote. Yes. That was his thing, man. As long as everyone is a legal consenting adult yeah, in this, in this, yeah, whatever, whatever creams your twinkie, bud. Yep. So the fact that Arturo liked the ladies, um, the defense used that to paint him out to be a gold digger who was out looking for a sugar mama. But Ruby emphasized that the women gave him gifts because they wanted to, not because he expected it. There was one gift. Well, of course. Yeah. There was one gift, however, that did cause some tension between Ruby and Arturo. And that was the 2014 silver Toyota Tundra that Rachel had bought Arturo three days before he died. Ruby warned him that he needed to quit fucking around with a married woman. And their argument got so heated that Ruby threatened to move out. They'd agreed to discuss it further on Valentine's Day after they'd had time to cool off. But they never got a chance because he got murdered in that Toyota Tundra. Bruh, I'm going to tell you right now i am you've even said it and i feel like i feel like i am to a certain point but i feel like i'm a pretty charming guy in general you know what i mean Mm -hmm. i don't think i possess an ounce of whatever charm a man has to have to talk a married woman into buying him a fucking toyota tundra i i I cannot fathom the, the swagger Homeboy must have been putting it to it, or I don't. You you can turn on that yeah. charm. You you get the right one, you could absolutely do it. We're married. We have been married, and I don't think I could talk you into buying me a Toyota Tundra. Bud, I'm pretty sure I bought you one of the Jeeps. But you know what I mean. Like, I don't know. I, I guess I couldn't. I, aff- I couldn't afford a. Toyota Tundra, but I could afford a, a used Jeep. <laughs> Good old Cherokee. <laughs> um, but no, like 100% you could, for sure. 
I don't, I just don't see it. Maybe it's because I'm like, I, 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 there's no way I'd ask somebody to buy me a vehicle, like a, like a brand new vehicle. Right. But, but that's the thing. Like if you're charming, you don't have to, it's just like a thing. I mean, think about it. We have very much made it from the bottom. Now we hear like you make double what I make. But when we started out, you didn't have a pot to piss in. And I was a sorority girl at the university of Alabama. And I would have done anything that you asked. I had to buy a $500 Ford Ranger off your daddy. <laughs> that is true. Boy, that truck got me through some hard times. The old Danger Ranger. Mm -hmm. I love that truck. I really, really did. I love that little truck. It had a smell about it. It did. I have a lot of memories of that a, truck. It was, good, it was so reliable other than the gas hand. It left me hanging one time, me and my buddy. I have memories of that truck because you know you're from the country when you get really excited when it's free trash day at the dump. And my daddy <laughs> my daddy would load up his, that truck with trash. And the thing I liked about it is our dog, Baby, he would let Baby ride with us and that never happened. So we'd just be riding in the Danger Ranger down to the dump and it smelled like absolute butt. But it was just... But all my homies called that little truck. Yeah, it was just... It was fun. It was fun times. And it got you from A to B for a while. Yeah. For a while. Yeah. And now you have your big boy truck. I do. Does my daddy drive Shouts out. Shouts out to your daddy. Yep. I love you, daddy. <laughs> uh, speaking of him, doesn't he drive a Toyota Tundra? No, he does a Tacoma. Oh, I knew it was a Toyota. Some, I don't know shit about cars. I don't know if he still listens, but if you do, I love you. I miss you. So the biggest bombshell... Related to Ruby's testimony. Also, my grandmother's name was Ruby. I had to throw that out there. If we ever have uh, another child, which we won't, but if we did, her name would be Ruby. I always felt like a good girl dog name is Ruby. Yeah. If you don't let me have another child, I'll have to uh I'll have to settle for a dog and her name will be Ruby. I feel like we're far past. But it ain't nineteen seventy-four. I ain't Miss Bonnie. You can have children. Halle Berry was like 50, I think, when she had her baby. That's a little excessive. But anyways, the biggest bombshell related to Ruby's testimony wasn't related to Arturo's background or his sex life or his sugar mama's. In fact, the bombshell wasn't even about Ar Arturo at all. It was about Greg, or at least one of his associates, trying to bribe Ruby to talk shit about Arturo. Apparently, Greg is a fan of bribery. Now, I'm not going to bore y'all with all the details, but essentially... A woman who worked for Greg reached out to Ruby and tried to convince her to say that Arturo was in a gang, that he was abusive, blah, blah, blah. And Ruby was like, this seems sketchy. So she went down to the police department and was like, hey, this thing happened and it seems sketchy. So they decided to make Ruby an informant. And they had her schedule a meeting with the sketchy lady and they put a camera and a wire on her. Calls for calls. Yes. Because uh, you know, he's a millionaire. I heard this quote a while back and it just popped in my head that like, I forget who said it, but they were talking about uh, when people get like come into money, like it doesn't money doesn't change you. It just magnifies the person that you actually are. Ooh, I like that. And that like if you're a generous person and a nice person, when you get money, you'll be the same way. It doesn't it doesn't make you different. It just amplifies the person that you actually are. One hundred percent, because I have two former students who played in the NFL and they became millionaires and they are still the sweet boys that they were when I knew them before they made it to the NFL. Yeah. And they really were made it from the bottom. Now we hear stories. So I like that quote. Yeah. I just remember thinking, damn. If I became a millionaire, I don't think I would change. I'd um, quit my job immediately and I would buy so many fucking containers. You couldn't stop yeah, me. You would. I feel I like we're not rich, but like now that we're not living paycheck to paycheck, like for me, like I tip way better than I ever have been able to before. Yeah. You know I what like, I mean? I feel like. I like being able to do that. Right. Exactly. And especially, you know, you know, it'd be hard out there. It do. It do be hard out there. So. Ruby, they put a camera and a wire on Ruby, and Greg was not explicitly seen on camera, but at one point, his voice could be heard on the phone. So, that's a bad look, ladies, gents, and non-binary friends. And Greg actually ended up being charged for that little incident. Turns out you can't bribe witnesses. So, Greg's attorneys 
were on their last limb when it came to the slander the victim plan, because that's always the plan and I hate it. So they decided to go with the, in the moment, Greg feared for his life and he defended himself to defense. So according to that Greg. That seems odd to me. Yeah. According to Greg, he didn't go to, the, to that parking lot intending to kill anyone. He was concerned that Rachel had a drug problem and he thought he was going to roll up in the middle of a drug deal. He claimed that when he got out of the car, he heard his wife screaming, and maybe you did, but not for the reason you were thinking. So he pulled his gun, he opened the trap door, and saw Arturo and Rachel naked as daggum jaybirds, except apparently Arturo was wearing socks. <laughs> so, because they found him. Gotta take your socks off, bro. It's not a good look. Like, and again, because I don't want to be found naked, and I especially don't want to be found naked face down on the concrete wearing nothing but socks. Like, that's, that is sad. So uh, Greg opens the door. He sees him naked. Greg told Rachel to get out of the truck. And according to Greg, Arturo s- said, Goyito, yo te mato, which means, little Greg, I'm going to kill you. And he reached towards the front of the truck. Greg assumed that he was reaching for a gun. So he went ahead and shot first. The defense was confident that this argument would work because according to the medical examiner, Arturo had been in a position in which he feasibly could have been reaching forward. Well, then... The pathologist slash medical examiner, Dr. Janice Ross, took the stand and was like, so uh, it's been seven years since I did this autopsy and I've been looking over my records uh, the last couple of weeks and I don't think his arm was up like I originally thought it was. Oops, my bad. So the autopsy showed that Arturo had been shot three times. One shot entered his right armpit. Another shot entered right above his right butt cheek. And a third shot, which is the only one that would not have been fatal, entered just below the right armpit and exited near his right collarbone and then most likely ricocheted off one of the truck's windows. So as Dr. Ross was looking back over the autopsy photos, she noticed a small bruise on the inside of Arturo's arm. So apparently that particular type of bruise is called a slap bruise or a slap wound, and it indicates that his arm would have been down when he was shot. So based on the angles of the wounds, there is no way that Arturo could have been reaching for something like Greg said he was. It is also mm-hmm. important to note that no guns were found in the truck. Well, Dr. Ross, all of a sudden changing her theory after seven years, sent everybody into a tizzy. The defense tried to call for a mistrial, which I'm shocked it actually didn't happen. Uh, So the judge called a three-day recess to look over everything. After they came back from the recess, the judge ruled that nothing shady had happened because the prosecution didn't know either. It was like a, she's getting on the stand. Oh, by the way, I've changed my mind. Um, So they continued with the trial. So at this point, the defense has nothing left to stand on. They've grasped at all the straws that they can. The prosecution, on the other hand, they're feeling good. They characterize Greg as a control freak who killed his wife's lover out of jealousy and pride. They talked about how miserable Rachel must have been. She'd been in the U.S. for 30 years, but barely spoke any English. She didn't have any friends. She didn't go anywhere. She was super isolated. Then all of a sudden, a few months before the murder, she suddenly lost 40 pounds and she was acting different. But of course, Greg <laughs> couldn't possibly think she was unhappy. Yeah, she was marriage. acting different. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but he couldn't fathom that she'd be unhappy in their marriage. So no, clearly she just had a drug problem. Well, the prosecution showed the jury evidence of a very smiling, very happy Rachel in selfies that she was sending to Arturo and in photos that they had taken together on a trip to Charleston. She is all smiles when she is with Arturo. She legit had a side piece and she was real into him and prosecution argued that Greg knew that and he was pissed. So Greg's phone records showed that about a month before the murder, he'd been searching various dating sites, including ourtime.com, match.com, and localmilfselfies.com. Yo! <laughs> and the prosec- boy was out here on the prowl. Well, the prosecution argued that he was trying to find Rachel's profile on those sites. So he was thinking she's been on a dating site. And so I need to find it. Two weeks after that, which was two weeks before the murder, Greg had a G- <laughs> Greg, rowdy, bro. Greg had a GPS tracker secretly installed on Rachel's Mercedes. So remember, remember how in the beginning he was he kept obsessively looking at his phone. He's like staring intently at his phone when he was leaving the restaurant. Ah, uh, he was, he was tracking. tracking her. Yeah, he was tracking her location. What a dirty dog. One of the most damning pieces of evidence was the 911 call Greg made 11 minutes after the murder, which I quoted a little bit of it to begin with. But he said, quote, 
I shot my wife and her lover, dude. They were sitting in the car messing around and I pulled up and I found them and I shot them. I found my wife cheating on my ass. I shot them both, end quote. So I would like to go ahead and remind everyone of the It's Murder Y'all PSA slash life rule that is you do not have to kill your cheating spouse and or their lover. There are many other ways that you can fuck up their life that do not involve you going to prison. As the 11th Circuit Solicitor, Prosecutor, Rick Hubbard pointed out, at no point in the 911 call did Greg say anything about shooting a man in self-defense. He did, however, mention <laughs> multiple times that he'd killed his wife and her lover. So I never saw it explicitly stated. But I think that Greg opened that door, just shot wildly in the truck, thought he had killed them both, and he dipped. But he wasn't a good shot, I guess. Um, unless he was aiming for armpit and butt cheek. So, which turns out you can die if you get shot in the armpit or the butt cheek. So, speaking of, sure. yeah, speaking of Rachel, she was not involved in the trial at all. That she was not a witness. She didn't provide any testimony. Despite being the only person alive besides Greg to have witnessed the whole thing. So, apparently, she had moved back to Mexico since, like, right after the murder, she went back to Mexico. And I also wonder if it's part of that, like, wives don't have to testify against their husbands thing yeah um but anyways both sides made up made their cases and it was now up to the jury after less than three hours the jury of seven women and five men came back with a verdict so rob what do you think do you think they found greg guilty or innocent of the murder of arturo bravo santos mm, i feel like it's suspicious that you're even asking me that but i'm gonna say guilty Gregorio Leon was found guilty of murder and possession of a firearm during a violent crime and was sentenced to 30 years without the possibility of parole. Mm -hmm. One of the newspapers made a point to say that, quote, dressed in black crocodile skin shoes, a blue suit that hit his ankle monitor and a white shirt unbuttoned to display a red crucifix that he has worn in court every day. Leon appeared impassive as he was handcuffed, end quote. So, Greg was taken to the Kirkland Reception and Evaluation Center, a maximum security prison in Columbia, South Carolina, where he would spend the first 45 days of his 30-year sentence being supervised and completing medical and mental health evaluations before being assigned to a permanent location. So basically, it's like a holding tank evaluation center so they can see, okay, like, how crazy are you? Like, do you have any health conditions? All this stuff, which I think I think that's a good idea to kind of figure out, like, do they need to put you on suicide watch? All this other stuff. So... At 12.36 p.m. on July 14th, 2023, less than one week after being found guilty of murder, 56-year-old Greg Leon was found hanging by a bedsheet in his cell. Hot damn. He couldn't even last a week. He was taken to a local hospital where more than 100 friends, family, and restaurant employees kept vigil. Greg died shortly after midnight. Officials would say that during the intake process, Greg had undergone a mental health evaluation and there were no indications that he needed to be placed on suicide watch or needed a higher level of security. And at that particular facility, corrections officers check each inmate's cell twice an hour. And they had just, like, literally, like, just checked his cell a few minutes before and they came back and found him hanging. So that's interesting. But I couldn't find anything else out about it. Like, they just said it's being investigated as a suicide. And it was like... I mean, it was this past July, so it's not been that long. But he hadn't even made it to real prison. He was just in the intake center, Look, and, he couldn't, bro, and he couldn't last a week. Them bars will change you. Maybe the gang, maybe the cartel was after him. Or maybe he was a millionaire and couldn't handle living amongst the normal people. But there's a... A large reason why I've never committed a crime worthy of any jail time is because I ain't made for jail. I'm a tough dude. I'm big old, big old tall, strong feller, whatever you want to say. I'm a tough cookie, as it were, but I ain't a tough cookie for jail. I don't want to go to jail. I would be scared in jail. I would be someone's little man boy or some shit, and it would be a bummer. You just got to assert your dominance. First day. You're big. Yeah. There's not going to be that many dudes there that are bigger than you. Well, I'm big, but I'm not like work out every day big. I'm just a grizzly bear of a man. Yeah, but that could be intimidating. I mean, if you're... Look, man. Ain't nobody going to be intimidated by a six foot three dad bod man. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. 
And like I'll I, wrestle some bitch about it. <laughs> but see, I feel like you have 38 years of pent up rage. Oh boy. So Do I ever <laughs> you, like the the wrong person talks to you at the wrong time or says the wrong thing, and you're gonna let out 38 years of that rage onto their face. People test me daily, I feel like. Also, especially in traffic. Yeah, you you get a little. Anyways, um, I feel like your experience living in, not that it was a prison, but I feel like you got a little taste. Institution, like I lived in like state run. Yeah. Like places for children. Yeah, right. for sure. So you got a taste sure. of it. Yeah. I am one that could not hack it in jail at all i don't like getting yelled at no i need lots of sleep i need lots of water all of the time i have to have my emotional support water all of the time um i can't exert myself i will faint um i'm a weenie i have the upper body strength of a three-year-old girl so i can't commit a crime because i cannot go to jail it won't i won't last long so Greg was survived by seven children from the ages 14 to mid-40s. He was 56 when he died. How old was he when he started having kids? If he's 56 and he has kids in their mid-40s, were you 11 years old making babies? That's, People be out here hunching on each other real young. That is like, uh, no, no. Listen, in one of those institution state-run institutions uh the the one the one i lived at before i left and graduated high school actually in fact one of the my fellow roommates that there lost his virginity at 11 years old he told me and i i took him to be honest about it right our kid's gonna be 11 on her next birthday yeah bro she's a child i yeah bro that is, yeah, I can't, I can't, I, I can't. That is. Uh, and this was a, a, no, I wouldn't say an orphanage, but it was definitely. I mean, I would consider it an orphanage. I mean, we would. Some people would go see their parents and shit on the weekends and stuff, or get was, you know what I mean. But it was like definitely kids that were in the custody of the state of Alabama. Right. So. Yeah. So yeah, Greg was survived anyway. by seven. By seven kids that he may have started having when he was still a child. Um, and the San Jose restaurants are largely managed by those children now. I was able to find at least one of them on Facebook. But I only know a little bit of Spanish. And most of their stuff was in Spanish. Um, I have like a 430-day streak on Duolingo, though. Um, but I have this accent. I took Spanish in high school and college. And I can't get rid of this accent as you're about to hear it. As I say, this gentleman's name, Gustavo Ariano. <laughs> I tried. I swear I tried. Gustavo Ariano wrote two really great articles. He's the one earlier that wrote the the thing about Game of Thrones, but with cheese, which is probably what I'm going to title this episode. He wrote two really great episodes. Nope. <laughs> two really great articles in the LA Times about Greg. And he ended the second one with, quote, in certain circles, his story will be told and retold. It's such a unique saga. As King Lear said, a man more sinned against than sinning, end quote. So I was supposed to read King Lear for one of my honors English classes in high school, but I did not actually do that. Sorry, Miss Otwell. So I don't fully understand the context of that quote, but I thought it sounded cool. Because basically the argument that a lot of people made was, did he do a shitty thing? Yeah. He did, but he also did some good things. Like I think one of his workers ended up with brain cancer. And so he paid all their medical bills. And like, he was really in the Mexican community, like looked up to, cause like he was the American dream. Like he came from this little Pueblo in Mexico. <laughs> did you know that's Spanish for town? A Pueblo. Pueblo. Um, and Ciudad is Spanish for city. So he came from this little Pueblo in city. Mexico and he he was a multimillionaire when he died. Like that's 
again. I wonder what happened to all those restaurants and shit. Did they all shut down or? But you got to start paying attention because I just I said that. I said after his all the San Jose restaurants are largely managed by his children now. Oh, I'm I completely missed that. I'm sorry. You be zoning. Well, the, disassociating. I, I, the neighbor's dog is barking, and I heard a vehicle, and I'm over here mentally trying putting like. Sorry, I went into like. I, I am the well, I'm the security guard. This is my duty. I, I hear things, and I have to go. It it took twenty percent of my attention just now. So, I, in in that brain process, I missed I missed the kids on the restaurant. That's my bad dog. I am physically closer to the dog, and I do not hear the dog. I have a constant ringing in my left ear and I still hear that dog. I can look you dead in your face and talk to you and you don't hear me, but you can hear the dog too. How's it? Maybe I'm hearing the dog bark while you're talking to me to my face. I'm sorry. So listen, I, I have to, it's just part of it. I can't, I can't explain it. If I hear anything that is not at normal noise for my ears, that's why that dog, because I hear, if I hear that dog, I know it sees something because it only barks if it sees something. Yeah, but it could see there's the right, but the like corgi, when it goes on and on and on, it's like for real seeing something. So I have to like, okay, like if he, if it sees a dog, it could be one of the cats. There are multiple cats in the neighborhood. Listen, it does none of the, it, it is not about what it could be. It's about me being aware aware of my surroundings it's not like i think somebody's coming to rob us it's just me being i i can't fully protect you guys unless i am fully aware of my surroundings and so sometimes i do drift off into my little world but as soon as i come back to like whoop i'm in the present i i do like a systems check immediately if uh, that's what i call it like or i guess layman's terms i don't know i check in i listen i'll get up and walk around the house Check the door locks. I mean, it, I don't. I don't know. It's just part of it. This, that is, this is, this is what you got. But well, you got you got me questioning my sanity. I did just. I took my head, one of my headphones off, and I just heard it. Uh-huh. I must. I must tune it out because I literally. I also don't well, hear the bass from the neighbors that you complain about. Yeah, I, I hear it. Everything. I, I don't <laughs> I have good just like you know how I can leave my right shit. ear is dope I don't there's no ringing in my right ear you know how I can leave shit on the floor and like I don't I think my mind blocks shit out I really do because I swear to god I had not heard that dog I had not heard it until I've just heard now. it for the past week I've heard an and owl so I every time I hear it I, I'll if I'm near a window I'll peek out and be like all right what's it barking at and then get an average of what i don't know i don't want to yeah like i'm i don't want to get out I'll, I'll go on a tangent about how weird and and <laughs> neurotic i am about paying attention to what the hell is going on around my house <laughs> artism is coming out yeah well i just you know i i can't protect y'all if i'm not aware of our surroundings and if i'm not familiar with what what's going on around my our our house this is my house and i'll this is how I protect it. And crazy as it may sound, like I'm going to do everything I can to protect me and my family. And me knowing what's going on outside, if the dog's barking for a little longer than I think it feel like it should on average, then I'm like, huh, maybe it's something a little different this time. And that way I know, is it worth checking out or not? You know what I mean? Does that make I'm, sense? Yeah, but now I'm little legitimately concerned that I've not heard the dog and I know my hearing's good. Although I will it's say this, working right now. it was a second ago. And that was literally the first time I like, I worked from home all day yesterday. I did not hear that dog bark once. And you got mad about it at least twice. But I will tell you this. I was <laughs> telling this, I was saying this to my best friend yesterday. And I'm sure I've told you because we've been together a long time. But when I was little, like three or four, my mother took me to the doctor because she was afraid I was hearing impaired. And the doctor, they did tests. And they're like, no, she's just ignoring you. <laughs> so I think that I'm just very much able to tune things out. And I guess I've tuned out the dog barking. Sometimes you ought to be get into the present and just listen while you're in present spatial mind frame. Right. I've never, I'm, I can't, I've had this I, conversation with one of my advisors that I love because we're both the same kind of crackhead, but like, 
I, that's why I can't watch him. I can't just do it. Like, I can't be left alone with my thoughts. I don't want to be mindful of anything. So I don't want to pay. Maybe I think it's my body protecting me. Of We're going to, we're going to tune things out. Have a general lack of awareness. What I want to know is how I can hear the freaking lights buzzing or the most random noise that makes my spine hurt, but I can't hear a dog barking. It makes no sense. Please tell me you've heard the owl. I've been hearing the owl a lot. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Cause I'm like, am I I I going crazy? Sometimes I just stand on the back porch and listen. Well, can you listen to me? Cause you don't do that. Well, it's just like, it's just like a, a perimeter. I've, I have to, sec- this is my perimeter. I'm supposed to secure my perimeter. It is a running joke with me and your daughter that we can, again, be right in front of your face talking to you and you nothing. As soon as me and her go to whisper something, you're like, what? Wait, what you say? What? It's- it's a frequency thing i don't know in another room you can hear us whisper and you're like what are you talking about (laughs) we say like no (laughs) you couldn't hear me when i was yelling for you five minutes ago but i whispered two words to her and now you like what you gotta get your ears need to prioritize my dude they my ears are constantly multitasking but also and dude I, i smelled smoke Ran, yeah. I thought I smelled smoke, like, and I was like, "What is that?" And I for twenty minutes, oh, I do. Oh, I know oh, you were frantic. I was like, "What?" I'm sure I, sm-. and then it just went away, and I was like, "Maybe somebody, because the neighbor directly across the street does smoke cigarettes, and I think sometimes if he's out, he'll if he's on the phone, he'll smoke like two or three of them back to back, and I think sometimes." the wind wafts it up under the house a little bit. And that's what I smell. And I just be like, or tripping out. Hopefully our daughter's not eavesdropping right now. It could be a ghost. Cause they say that if you randomly be smelling smoke, it's a ghost because I've also randomly like, you know, at least one time I've told you yeah, but that dude, on fire. that dude changed smokes from time to time. And sometimes his homies are out there on the front porch because he smokes on the front porch or in the driveway. And sometimes he's at the very bottom of the driveway. Are smoking. we, are we living in the same house? Are we living in the same in the same dimension? I have not once seen that man outside. In all Babe, of that, he's, listen, no. I just explained my perimeter. I have met this. I've met I know him one the time. comings and goings of every person that lives in this cul-de-sac. Not because I'm crazy, but you it's are. for our protection. It's for their protection. If something seems weird, I'm going to go tell Jerry. Hey, Jerry. Do you, this car stopped by and these people got out and knocked on your door the other day and you weren't here. And then they were there. They just stayed at it. They stood at your door for a few minutes and, you know, were lingering. And I just, I'd never seen that vehicle around anywhere. And I just, I don't know. I just want to give you a heads up just in case you, you were looking or expecting somebody or something and you missed them. You know, I saw this happen the other day. What you failed. You should have told Jerry, but our kid was very cute yesterday yeah. when she was excited because she spoke to Jerry. She's shine into her like her mama like, sometimes. Well, Jerry would love I, to talk to her. I would now, I, but now I feel like it's weird if I talk to him because, like, I've lived here Buddy, like, almost three he years. Is a very easy to talk to gentleman. He's very kind and courteous and sweet. Like I he's would a be good. His, he's I like Jerry's my guy. Like I never had no pawpaws. I need he could be my pawpaw. They were gone for two weeks during the summer, and they took like this this on this bus trip to like. I don't know, 14 different states or something like this retiree like trip. And I told him, I said, I told him before he left, I was like, Hey, I'm going to keep an eye on your place. So if I see anything weird, you just, I'll give you a call. You know, if you need me to do anything, you know, or whatever, you just let me know. He was like, I appreciate that. I was like, like nothing of it, Jerry. <laughs> we, we be living very different experiences, but no, now because the dude across the street, I have seen exactly one time, and that was when hit me and the kid were out walking, and his bulldog came over, and we were both very excited about it. And his bulldog crapped in our yard when it was all snowy. <laughs> that's okay. It's a very cute, very okay. sweet baby. Like, but I've never, not once, 
seeing him outside smoking, which again, I'm questioning my sanity. Like I'm going to get fucking kidnapped because I'm clearly very much in my own world all of the time. If I'm not seeing or hearing that. I can, I can zone out like out of that frame of mind. Like when you and her are both in the bed asleep, like that's usually when I'm in here, like I can decompress and like let my guard down a little bit. Cause I know, I mean, everything's locked. I mean, y'all are in the bed. Right. You will come and check on both of us. Yeah, but that does. I'm not saying I turn it off. I'm just saying I, it gets to that's that's when it's like when I get to go on air quotes break a little bit. You know what I mean? I can. It's where I when I can decompress a little bit, and you know, I can tune out the dog barking or whatever. Or well, maybe not not the dog barking, but or the neighbor's bass. Yeah, I can tune out the neighbor's bass. I don't I, like. I know what that is. That's a see. That's on a nor- That's my normal frequency. There are normal frequencies and noises that's like are on my plane of this is a regular occurrence. This is familiar to me. This is not abnormal. What I'm listening for are the noises outside of that frequency. The abnormal noises. What's interesting you know what I mean? to me is that you and I are both so deeply and profoundly neurodivergent. However. We have very different flavors of neurodivergent. Yeah. And I also can hear every single I can hear the dog solitary in the, in the sound right now. that you have made this entire recording. And I just have not said anything because I didn't want you to fuss at me. Every click, every joint pop, I've heard every single one. Uh, it's hard for me to be super, super completely still. I have not moved. I have been sitting with my legs crossed and my left hand on my left thigh the entire recording. I've not moved. Not once have I. Again, we are profoundly neurodivergent in very different flavors. So that was the case. Sorry, y'all. That motherfucker went off the rails. Yep. So that was the case of the Valentine's Day assassinato. That's murder. And your two, your two, your two neuro apparently neurodivergent hosts, <laughs> or host and co-host, with very different flavors of it. So, Rob, what are your final thoughts? Um, don't like look, when you get into crazy, scandalous things and like things that you don't want everybody to know that you're doing sketchy shit and crazy shit and unfortunate shit is going to happen. And this is the case of all of those things jumbled into motherfucker came into some money. Yeah. Queso and gigolos, baby. Oh, that could be a good alternative title. Queso and gigolos. Um, Yeah. I think I go back to the, the it's murder y'all PSA life rule. You ain't got to murder them. Yeah. I, I have copious ideas. You can cut holes into every, sh- you can cut the crotch out of every pair of pants or underwear they own. I've, I've said the glitter. There's so much you can do with glitter. You can wreak havoc. Glitter is the herpes of craft supplies. If I found you in a, in a, a Toyota Tundra, <laughs> some fellow in only socks, I'd, I, there'd be, I, I don't know what I would do. Murder wouldn't be on the menu at all. For you sure. would know I was on drugs. Yeah, I'd be like, what? I would, I would legit be on drugs. I would cut all of your valve stems, and I would key your entire truck. That's not on the menu for me, though. I would pull a carry like, underwood. Listen, I. You just heard me explain almost in vivid detail. I feel like more than I ever have probably frankly (laughs) about how I protect this house and my family. I do not have time. I do not have time on my schedule (laughs) for any of that type of shit, nor do I have any want in, in my heart or mind to engage any of those activities. I mean, just, it is just, I just, eh, it's just a fact. (laughs) I will take too busy. (laughs) I will take a Louisville slugger to both headlights. <laughs> I will. And I will also, your that brand new computer, I would take out all of my aggression on it. Plus, I love you too much, bud. You know what I mean? I feel like that's like, probably the best answer. I just, I just fucking love you too goddamn much. Look at you, bud. 
You feel like crap. <laughs> I love you, bud. I love you, we too. we got to get off here and quit being Shit sad. These people are going to be like, oh, look at these two. Oh, well, this is our Valentine Valentine's episode. Oh, it is. It is. That's right. I'm also That's very, right. I'm very excited about your Valentine's present. You're going to like it. We're not normally Valentine's people because I actually think Valentine's Day is stupid. But I'm excited because I got you something really good that you're going to like. And I'm not, a, gifts are not my love language, but I feel like you're going to be real excited about this one. So I want to give it to you early because I'm bad at giving gifts. But thank y'all so much for listening to the It's Murder Y'all podcast. As always, sources for this episode will be listed in the show notes. Please subscribe, rate, review, tell a friend, tell your mama. We'll see y'all next week. Lord willing and the creek don't rise. Happy Valentine's Day, y'all. Bitch, yeah. Thank you. Please. <laughs>